Praise God. How many of you like peach tea? Amen. Everybody, anybody, how many of you like tea? Well, if you don't like tea, you're not a Texan because everybody needs to like tea. Amen. <laughs> I pray they have tea in heaven. Don't you pray for a tea in heaven? I pray that they have tea in heaven. Uh, I, I know one thing. The Bible says, oh, taste and see <laughs> that the Lord is good. God has a lot of great things for us. Amen. In store. We're looking forward to an amazing year this year. And uh, I, I just want to let you know, 2016, I know it's a year of election. It's also a year of transition. But I, as I was in fasting and prayer, I, I know that many of you were in prayer and fasting as, as we've come through the month of January. Isn't it amazing that February is right around the corner here? We've already gone through January, and it looks like spring has already come. And uh, man, I'll tell you, this warm weather is amazing. But God has been so good, and he, he spoke some things to our heart. And I, I, I really felt the Lord impress upon me that it's a year where things are going to shift in the way we think, in the way we live, and God wants to bring a shift. Everyone say the word shift, amen? Remember years ago, when I had my very first car, I had a four-speed on the floor, and it got stuck in second gear one day. I was driving in Hood River, and my, my gears got stuck in second. And I was winding that thing out. Man, I was trying to go, and I had cars behind me, and they were honking the horn, and I could not get any faster than 30 or 40 miles an hour in second gear. And for some reason, after hitting that thing, it finally let go, and I was able to shift and move. And, you know, it's amazing. When we shift gears, it's amazing. Like an engine, the RPMs drop on an engine. It works less, but you gain faster speed. And that's what God wants to do. How many of you believe God wants to, to move us a little farther this year than where we were last year? Some of us got stuck in second. You know, how many of you know that when we get stuck sometimes, and the enemy likes us to stay stuck. He likes us to stay stuck in unbelief. He loves us to stay stuck in a, in a place of fear. But we have a God who's always, the Bible says, the set time to favor Zion has come. His, his desire to favor you has come right now. And uh, if you can take your Bibles and turn with me into the book of Job chapter 36, I'm speaking to you and going to be sharing on the power of the renewed mind because our minds is so central and how we think is so central to where we are and where we're going in life. It's key to our relationships. And I want to talk to you about moving from the pauper's mindset to becoming a king and a priest. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches. But I want to read a scripture that I started off last week in Job 36. And it says this. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's Proverbs. Proverbs 30. I'm sorry, not Job. Proverbs 30. Got the wrong verse there. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 21. That's it. Listen to what this scripture says. It's, it has a lot of revelation in it here, but... Proverbs 30, verse 21. There are three things the earth is perturbed 
or it means cannot bear. Yes, four things. It cannot bear up. When a pauper or a servant becomes a king, and the, old, and the new King James says, for when a servant, when a servant comes into a place of rulership or reigning. And it says the earth shakes when a pauper, amen, uh, becomes a king. I don't know what translation that is. A slave or a slave becomes a king or an overbearing fool who prospers. And I want to talk about this transition this morning if we can. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that you come to give us the spirit of wisdom, understanding. Lord, we ask you to quicken our hearts this morning. Lord, we pray that we will not just communicate knowledge or facts. But Lord, we, would, we just pray that through the Holy Spirit, life will flow, Lord, even this morning. I just pray that our ears would be open and receptive. Lord, I know we've had a busy week. Lord, I pray this morning your people would be experience the rest that comes through the Holy Spirit, your presence, your power, and your life upon us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you jump over with me to another scripture in Revelations chapter 1? Revelations chapter 1. The warning here in Proverbs is that when a pauper becomes a king, the Bible says the earth shakes. It cannot bear it. Listen to what happened when we got saved, when we were converted. Here in Revelations, John gives us some insight. Says verse 4, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before the throne, his throne. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Very important phrase. He's the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us what? Made us kings. Can we all say kings together? Now, I, I want us to, to really kind of get this because... I'm not going to inherit my promised land. I'm not going to move into that place of success and relationship until I understand the, the basic tenet foundation of my identity in Christ. He says, through His blood, who has made us kings and priests, to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to jump over with me to a very powerful. This is, again, uh, this is found in Job chapter 36. Jump with me into Job 36 here. This is the passage. Job 36, verse 7. Listen to what Elihu is saying to Job concerning the righteous. Job 36, verse 7. Uh, let's start with verse 5. Behold, God is mighty and despises no one. Can you say Amen. He doesn't despise no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but he gives justice to the oppressed. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous. Now notice what it says here. But they are on the throne with kings. They are on the throne with kings, for he has seated them 
forever. Everyone say forever. forever. Now remember what Paul said in Ephesians, that when Jesus through his mercy raised us up, where did he seat us? In heavenly places. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say you're seated in heaven right now. See, I, I want to say this to you, and I want you to listen to me. We have had a theology for years that talks about when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Jesus is telling us that he has brought heaven to earth right now. And the Bible says here that as a king, he has made us kings and priests. And Job here tells us, that they are on the throne with kings, and he has seated them forever. Notice verse 7, at the end of verse 7. They are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, notice this, they're in a position of dominion, they're ruling, they're reigning, seated in a place, but notice what happens when they get in trouble. And if they are bound in fetters, held in cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgressions that they have acted defiantly and he opens their ears to instruction and commands that they turn from iniquity. Isn't this amazing? If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. But if they do not obey, they will perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. But hypocrites in their hearts store up wrath. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in their youth, and their life ends among the, the perverted person. He delivers the poor in their affliction. He opens their ears in, in oppression. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress at a broad place where there are no restraints, and what it set on your table, what it was set on your table, would be full of riches. The powerful text right here. The Bible says that we've been seated on a throne. We're seated. God wants you and I right now to begin to think like kings. Amen? Now, one of the things about growing in the knowledge of what God says in His Word, sometimes we have to unlearn, we have to kind of, kind of pull some things apart that we, have been, that we have learned and what we've been exposed to in our own culture. Now, when, you, when we think about kings today, most people, when you think of kings, and, and when you think of kings, we, we don't live in a monarchy here in America. We live in a republic. But, but where there are kings around the earth today, most people see kings as very selfish, isolated individuals. In most kingdoms, it's the people that go to war on behalf of the king, and they lay their life down for the homeland, or for the king. They will give their life for the queen or the king. They will die for the king. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. It's the king who lays down his life for his people. Jesus is referred to as the king of kings. And God wants you and I to begin to think like a king and not a pauper. Now, the word pauper in the dictionary, I, I don't know, Jerry, if, if, did you pull that up? Jerry, uh, if you could pull up the definition of a king or a pauper, it means bankrupt, 
A pauper is a person who's a beggar, down and out, the have-nots, indignant, insolvent, a poor person, a person who's extremely poor, destitute, supported by public charity for the most part. A pauper, by and large, is not just poor in resource, but they're also poor mentally. They're poor spiritually. When you have a pauper's mindset, uh, in fact, let me just say this, that because the Bible says in, in Psalms 51 that we were all born and conceived in sin. And when sin makes you think like a pauper, sin makes you think and makes you realize that you're alone. It makes you feel that you have no opinion, no value, no real sense of purpose, always dependent on someone else or something. And you see, God, God wants to change that mindset, amen? And one of the ways He changes the mindset is when we get born again. The born again experience is more than just forgiveness of sins and getting your name uh, on, on, in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's far more than that. In fact, being born again means you've won the jackpot. It is truly the rags to riches story. Because when you are converted, God takes you from a place of poverty, and the Bible says He seats you with Christ in heavenly places. And that's what now here's here's the problem though. Salvation through the cross and faith in what he does brings me out of the prison of sin, but it does not bring my mind out of the prison of pauper thinking. See, there's a lot of people that do not realize because they're not renewing their mind in the Word of God. You see, just because I'm saved doesn't necessarily change my world because even though God has seated me in heavenly places, and I have all this access to what the Apostle Paul refers to as the riches of His grace. Now, there's a couple things that we need to learn in this particular thing that I'm bringing to you. Is we need to ask ourselves, why do things fall apart when a pauper rules? Why do things fall apart when a pauper rules? And when we... How do we leave the rags behind? How do we move from the place of poverty, spiritual poverty, mental poverty, relational poverty? How do we move from there into a place where we are truly ruling and reigning in Christ? It's a really important thing. Because what I'm talking about this morning is where we are going as a church this year. Let me just tell you where we're going as a church. We're going into a place where God's people are empowered to, do, to become students of miracles. God wants you to become miraculous and supernatural, amen? God wants you to understand that you are sons and daughters. You're no longer paupers and slaves. You're sons and daughters. You have been born into a kingdom. You are part of a, of a wealth system that is just, uh, it's, it's everlasting. God wants you to draw on this. He wants, to he wants you to draw on the knowledge of what you have in your heart and what Christ has provided for you. So even when you are facing 
some serious issues and problems in your life, you know how to draw from that. You know, I was reading uh, here not too long ago that about 85% of lottery ticket winners in America will go bankrupt in their fifth, sixth, seventh year after winning all this money. I was amazed to find out that about 90% of them well, their relationships, their marriages will fall apart. Uh, many of them become addicted. They get uh, addicted into drugs. Because what happens when you, when you remove the positive, I call it positive stress of making a living, and they get a, this lottery ticket winning, they think they've got it made. The problem is, by the way, the problem is not the money. The problem is the poverty mindset. The, poverty, the problem is a, is a pauper's mindset. problem is never the money. The problem is not knowing how to deal with wealth. Not knowing how to handle it. Also, when it comes to leadership. When a pauper becomes a leader, one of the dangerous things about a pauper is that a pauper may be born again and he may be put into a place where the world comes to recognize his place of leadership and his place of notoriety in one sense, but because he is a pauper inside, because his mind has not been renewed, what happens to the world around him and because he becomes careless in his behavior and he does not watch the words in his mouth around him, those who are around him and those who he or she is leading, are destroyed because he does not know how to handle himself when paupers become kings. When a pauper, when a, when a slave becomes a king, when a slave becomes one who's in authority, but they're still insecure and they are broken. What happens is the very thing that was intended to serve the people and bring blessing, what happens is they become isolated and insecure and like so many things that are happening even today. You start leading from behind. You start making foolish decisions out of your own insecurity because you're afraid. That's a pauper's mindset. When a, when a pauper rules, he's insecure. When a pauper rules, they need the approval of, of others. You'll find when a person, for instance, has a pauper's mindset, they're always concerned How about... How, how do you think I'm doing? How do you think I am? Am I okay? See, that's a pauper's mindset. When a person rules like a king, I'm not here for your approval because I've already been approved by the king of kings. You see, in leadership, I have to be so secure in who I am in Christ that I don't care if you don't like what I say. Now, I'm not trying to be indifferent or, 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 or rude, but when I know who I am and what I've heard from God... It doesn't matter what you say. In fact, if you really want to know the truth, if you really want to be in a place where God is leading by His Spirit, God may actually put you in a place where things are going to cut you a little deeper. God may put you in a place where the Holy Spirit's going to work on you. In fact, you'll find this all the way through the book of Exodus when God spoke to Moses to lead him out. It's amazing when you come into Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses was a shepherd over this million and a half people. And when they sent the 12 spies in to spy out the land, the Bible says 10, 
out of the 12 came back with an evil report against the promised land. Now this was the place where God wanted to bring his people. But it said when they saw the land, what did they see? They saw giants. They saw problems. They saw warfare. And they said this, Would to God that we would have died in Egypt. The Bible says they begin to murmur and complain against Moses. How many of you know Moses had to be a pretty strong guy? You see, he could not have his security on the approval of men. Now, that, that would be a pretty strong... And, and what you had is you had a 10-member deacon board there, decided to vote Moses out, and they wanted to put another guy in, and the Bible says, we're going to go back to Egypt. That was a pretty dark day. It's in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. But see, one thing about being a king, again, king being a king has nothing to do about ruling for your own purpose. It has nothing to do with, with you becoming strong or wealthy and rich or uh, in a place where you're just being used for your own purpose. Now God, God puts you and he entrusts you with something because he knows that you're going to bring life to people. But how many of you know it's more than just preaching? We need to live what we teach. We need to live it. It needs to be in our hearts. Amen? But so part of, a, part of the conversion, part of the conversion is the renewing of my mind. It is about renewing my mind. It is about imparting knowledge. It's, it's about relationship. Now, I want you to see some things here that I think it's so, so important. I want you to jump over with me into Romans chapter 8. Notice what the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Rome, says concerning believers. And then we're going to look at what this means. Notice what it says, and you know the text well. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, one thing about a healthy mind, is that you're able to glean out of things that happen in your life and you're able to say, this is going to turn out for my good. That's part of a healthy mindset. Everyone say all things. He didn't say some things. He says all things work together for good to them that what? Love God and are called according to His purpose. So the, the very first thing he establishes relationship. Loving God, and it's not just what I'm doing for God, but it's my heart, my affections have been turned towards Him because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Then he goes on to say, for whom He foreknew. He predestined to be conformed to who? The image of His Son. What's our goal? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is the goal? Paul said it. The goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. He's the Son. He's the only begotten Son that He might be the firstborn among many. That means that what Jesus did on earth, we're going to actually do the same. In fact, John 14, 14 says that we're even going to do greater works. But then he goes on here to say, for whom he predestinated, he also called, and those he called, he's also justified. 
and whom he justified, these he has also glorified. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're glorified. Amen. Now that word glorified is a very powerful term. Because what it means, it means that you are living in perpetual victory. You have power. You are in a place where you have dominion over your enemies. Now that's what a son is. The Bible says here, as a king, Jesus is our king of kings. It says here, whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he's glorified. That means because we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, actually believes that you believe this? He actually believes that you believe that what Jesus has done on the cross, he actually believes, and that's why he's always working in your heart and in your mind and in your life. He's working to glorify Jesus and to magnify Jesus through every opportunity that you give him. That's when, that's why when I face issues or problems, I need to begin to look at it. Wait a minute, I'm not a pauper here. I'm not in a place where I am dependent. I'm not in a place where I'm a victim anymore. I have been seated with Christ. I am to rule like kings, and that means this problem is going to be my lunch, and I'm going to rule over this thing. Now, I want to share something with you about the, the, the disciples. Do you remember when Jesus one day was in the wilderness, found in Mark, and Jesus was in the wilderness, and all this multitude was following him, and it was, the day was getting late, and the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need to send the disciples home so that these people can get something to eat. They had been with Jesus for three days in this wilderness, and the disciples said, Jesus, we need to send them home. We've got a problem. Let's send them home. Jesus said, they don't need to go. You feed them. The disciples be, are bewildered. They start looking at each other. We don't have nothing to feed them with. How many of you know that anytime God asks you to do something when you're in a tough place, it's because he's getting you ready. He's getting you ready to promote you. He's getting you ready to grow into your understanding of what it is to be supernatural. And so the disciples being bewildered, it says in one text there that Jesus turns to Philip and says, Philip, uh, how much money do we have? Well, we, have, we don't have nothing. Well, someone finds a boy with, with uh, five loaves and two fish. And I want you to notice something here, that Jesus brings attention, and this is so important, is that God will take the little that you have. He always will take what's in your hand. Everyone look at your hand right now. I want you to say this, it's in my hand. Whatever is in your hand will multiply. Now here's what happens. Jesus takes the loaves, bread, remember it says he prayed, he blessed the loaves and the bread, he gave thanks to the Father, then what did he do? He gave it to the disciples and they fed the 5,000. Then from there, they move from there into the place where he's going to, Across the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says he sends his disciples ahead of him. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. He sends the disciples ahead of him, and they get caught up in the storm. And the, here's, these are mariners. These guys know the sea. They, they're fishermen. 
They're caught up in a storm and they, they fear for their lives. The Bible says Jesus would have passed by them, but he sees them. They thought they see a ghost. Jesus comes into the boat. He speaks to the wind. The storm is calm. And all of a sudden, they're on the other side of the, the ocean. And then the Bible says, Jesus asked them, he says, why could you not believe? And he says, the Bible says there is because of the hardness of their hearts in that they did not perceive about the loaves and the fishes. Do you know that your problems that you're going through today and how God answers those problems are setting you up for the next test? What happens is this, is what the disciples didn't understand was this, is that the bread in the miracle of the loaves and the fishes did not multiply in Jesus' hands. It multiplied when it was in their hands. And what God is trying to say is he's put something in your hands that when you begin to serve and give, it's going to multiply. What Jesus was doing, he was giving them basic training on what it is to rule and reign in life about being a king. Now, there was a lot of poverty in their mindset. And one of the things that's so important when it comes to this, I need to realize that Jesus has done the work. Everyone, Jesus has said this. Jesus has done the work. He doesn't need me to stress out on this anymore. What he only needs from you is to believe. He needs you to recognize what is in your hands. Some of you this morning, you may have a job. You can't stand it. Some of you may be in a marriage. You can't stand it. Some of you may have kids. You can't stand that. You may live in a house. You may have a dog or a cat. You can't stand the cat. You may have a lot of different things you can't stand. You need to understand that whatever is in your hand is not there by accident. You are strategically placed. You are in a situation, whether even your wages, your relationships, God has placed things in your life for you to grow through it. And you know what? Line upon line, from glory to glory, he's changing us. Amen? Now, this is important here. Because moving from a pauper to a king means that I need to, first of all, come to appreciate. I need to appreciate where I'm at. Because it's where you're at right now that God is giving you the tools to prepare you for where you're going to go. Where you're at, amen? Where I'm at right now. He's given you life lessons and he's giving you tools and what you're going through. It's going to come through misunderstanding. It's going to come through a lack, uh, even in lack. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 8 when Israel was in the wilderness and it's interesting, it says that God brought Israel into the wilderness and it says he suffered them to hunger. He brought them into a place of hunger. It's not because God likes to watch people starve or... But it says that they were in the wilderness, they were without water, and they were hungry. And it says, he brought them to a place of hunger that they might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. See, there's, there's a reason why you go through lack. When you have lack in your life, that's the time that you need to stay instead of saying, why, God, we need to start saying, what are you saying? 
What are you trying to say? Because it's in that time God's going to give you the nugget. He's going to give you the living bread. Everyone say living bread. Now that living bread is Jesus. Jesus is the living bread. Jesus is the bread. He's the, the image of Jesus being conformed in my life. Now, I want you to jump over here. What does it mean to be glorified? Jump over with me to John chapter 5. Notice what Jesus says to the Pharisees here. Listen to this. Verse 16, John 5, 16, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus. By the way, anytime you start moving towards the things of the kingdom and you start acting like kings, guess what? People are going to try to tear you down. Anytime you begin to walk with confidence and you begin to walk in a sense of authority, people are going to call you proudful and high-headed and headstrong. I'm going to tell you something. People cannot stand confident leaders. Do you know that God wants to make you a confident leader? Not an arrogant leader. He wants you to be confident. He wants you to know that you're to rule, you're to reign, you're to win, you're going to conquer, you're going to have a great influence, you're going to be a blessing, you're not going to be sick, you're not going to be dependent, you're not a victim. God's going to use you to bring wealth, understanding, wisdom like Joseph did in in, in Egypt at the time. God's going to use you to have amazing ideas through dreams, through the prophecy, through prophetic words and revelation, God's going to give all that to you. Those are the treasures of a king. But Jesus here is being persecuted. They sought to kill him because he had done things on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, said, My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but because he said... That God was his father making himself equal with God. Listen, every time you say God is your father, what they interpreted that is, why wow, you're, you're saying you're right up there with God. Now remember what happened. Remember what I said last Sunday about how the Lord breaks us out of our comfort zones? Remember what I said about what Jesus said to John the Baptist? Jesus is talking about or John is talking about Jesus coming and he will baptize it and he will do this and he will do that and what Jesus comes he will do this and when Jesus comes Jesus turns it around and says John you're going to baptize me John takes Jesus aside says time out Jesus everything I've been preaching you're telling everybody that man you're empowering me to baptize you I can't do this I'm not worthy Sounds real spiritual. But Jesus, what Jesus was trying to do was introduce the kingdom. He was introduced to what the kingdom of God is all about. And it's about relationship. And it's about empowerment. And it's about you beginning to see through a different lens. Amen? God has to take the pauper's mentality. God wants to take that victim's mentality out of you. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 19. Then Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. 
Now notice what Jesus is saying about this relationship with the Father. It says that, first of all, Jesus can do nothing, but he says, the Father's showing me things. I want to just say this to you folks. God wants to show you more than just what you read in your Bible. God wants to show you things on your job. God wants to speak to you, but you have to ask the Lord, Lord, show me what you're saying. Help me to see what you're doing. Amen? This is really important because he's empowering you. What he's trying to do is help you to recognize things that are not there. Recognize. And so what happens here is that Jesus begins to speak to the, the, the people. Verse 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Jesus is saying that he has the power to give life. Guess what? That means you have the power to give life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have it. You have the life. You have the power to give life. In fact, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was more than just speaking in tongues. Jesus said that the Father has given me... Now, now notice what this is all about. It's about a partnership. It is the Father bringing Jesus into a partnership, and it's how the Father loves to show him things, loves him to do greater works, and in verse 22, notice, notice this king, the king of kings. For the father judges no one, but he's committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. Notice this. It's an atmosphere of honor. There's no jealousy here. There's no envy. There's no concern of insecurity or weakness. What it says? It says the father honors the Son. And you know what's so amazing about this? Is that Jesus, the Bible says, humbled himself and became a man, became a servant. And the Bible says the Father has highly exalted Jesus. Highly exalted him. Why did the Father do that? Because he wants you to know that what he did to his Son, he wants to do to you. He wants you and me to walk in the same honor he wants us to begin to walk in the same understanding of relationship. In fact, do you know your Heavenly Father wants to commit things to you? He wants to commit judgment to you. He wants to commit His plans to you. That's what this is all about, folks. This is not just what the Father did with Jesus. It's what He wants to do to the church. Because the Bible says, for whom He justified, He glorified. Now that means you and me. That means that in every situation in my life, the Father wants to magnify and glorify His Son, Jesus, in a situation. And what that means is, is where miracles prevail, relationships can be restored and healed, where people can take a bad situation and God still gets the glory because all things work together for good, he says. And so in this situation, <clears throat> that, and, that, and that the Son, it says, For all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who hears my words and believes in him, that he sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. 
Now, what that means, by the way, folks, has everlasting life. That means you have heaven in you. Everlasting life does not mean just, I, I'm going to live forever. That, that, it doesn't mean that. That's what I used to think it meant. Oh, oh it just means, well, oh, everlasting life means I'm going to live forever. No, he's talking about the kind of Zoe life, the quality of life, the life that is in heaven that I am to allow to be manifest in my earth, in my, in my relationships, on my world. Do you know that God wants your life to be a gate? Turn your neighbor and say, you're a gate. You are a gate for heaven to come through in your surroundings. Your life is a gate. When people see you, when they see Dwight, they see Jennifer, when they see Mike Riga, amen, when they see Tony and Mary, you know what they see? They see heaven. They see heaven. They see life. They see everlasting life. What's that everlasting life? Well, first of all, that everlasting life is a life where the relationship between you and your heavenly Father is so real and so warm, so honorable, so gracious, so giving, that people are attracted to you. They don't see a complainer. They don't see a murmurer. They don't see backbiters or slanderers. What they see is they see heaven on earth. They see people going the extra mile. They see people serving. They see people giving. By the way, I want to just say this. This church is such an amazing church. You guys are such amazing givers. I, I just say that. I commend you in the Lord. You give. You serve. You've sacrificed, and I really, I want to commend you in the Lord for being the kind of thoughtful, giving people that you are. And you know what, I, I believe sometimes the devil likes to beat you down and make, make you look at the glass half empty rather than see what God has been doing and how he's working together things for your good. And I commend you in the Lord. I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to say this, that the Father is proud of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's so proud of you. Would you do that? He is proud of you. You know, sometimes we don't not necessarily think like that. But our Heavenly Father, he's proud of us right now. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's got a plan. His plan is to do you good. Now, I want you to jump over with me into Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. My last text here, my last text in Colossians chapter 1. Notice what it says. If then you have been raised with Christ. How many have been raised with Christ? We're not talking about the second resurrection here. It says, well, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. Set your mind on things above. Well, what, what are those things above? Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom. What the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God has to do with the will of the Father. 
It is the will of God. The kingdom of God is God's will. What is God's will? God's will is for you to stop thinking like a poverty, pauper, poor, dependent, victimized person. He's called you to start thinking like kings. I have a father. I have resource. I am not a loser. I am not a victim. I am not dysfunctional. Stop calling yourself everything the doctor tells you. Some of you have been, well, I'm bipolar, I'm dyslexic. I'm sick, I'm diseased. Stop confessing that. Start saying, I am healed, I am healthy, God's before me, God is with me, He's for me, not against me. All things are working together for good. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, I just can't say that because it's just not the facts. Well, let me tell you right now, folks. The devil uses the facts, natural facts, but those facts are always vacillating. They're subject to change. Do you know why Paul says that we are blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places? Guess what? Because nothing from this earth or no demon in hell can touch it. God has blessed you with spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You have been seated, first of all, relationally with your heavenly Father. Number two, you've been approved. You've been accepted. You've not only been washed, but he's raised you. And he's, do you know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a coronation. It's where the Father coronates. He crowns you as a son, approved, open heavens. Whose son, who, who, a daughter who has the, the voice from heaven that says, Dwight, gay, you're well-pleasing in my sight. Athea, you're approved, well-pleasing in my sight. Do, do you see? Now you may say, well, Pastor, I don't feel so well-pleased and approved. Well, see, that's where we begin to move from pauper thinking to king thinking. How many of you know that in order for my mind to be renewed, one of the first things in repentance is confession. I need to start speaking to some mountains. I need to start speaking. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 17? I need to speak to the mountain to be moved, and it will move. I need to speak to these things. You know, uh, when I was uh, in California here a couple weeks ago, I left Dallas, and I had kind of a flu situation. I, I was sick. In fact, I, I felt bad about going because I had a real bad sore throat. Carol sent me off in the plane with antibiotics, and I was on the long fast. And I actually had to break my fast. I didn't want to do that, but taking these antibiotics, I had to break my fast because you can't eat this on a, or take those antibiotics without food. And I felt really pretty bad about it. Like, you know, when I broke my fast, I literally felt like the enemy was doing everything he can to stop that fast. And I started feeling condemnation and shame. And I, I'm sitting there in the airplane, and the stewardess is coming along, and she's serving beverages, and I bought myself a turkey sandwich. Boy, did it taste good, by the way, especially when you're fasting. I bought this turkey sandwich, and I'm eating this, taking my antibiotic on the plane, and I'm feeling guilty. 
in this little voice come to my head, oh boy, you, you've killed your fast now, you won't hear from God, God's going to buy, I mean, all these voices start coming to my head. And I'm sitting there, and now I'm looking at this sandwich, and I said, wow, I must not have faith. I must not have faith at all. And I didn't realize that I was agreeing with the devil. And you know, the Holy Spirit says, Ray, it's, the fast is not about your sense of progress. It has nothing to do with you sacrificing to please me. That's not the purpose of fasting and praying. And, and the Holy Spirit said, you know what? There is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And folks, you know what? I had to come against those fiery darts from Satan. Those were satanic, demonic thoughts that were intended to destroy what the Lord had led on my heart. Now, I knew I was sick. And I took those antibiotics. And I continued to eat some for a couple days even after that. After that, I, I got back on my fast after I was done with that. But you know what? One of the things that I had to do is I had to stop agreeing with things that were coming into my head. I want to just say something here. We need to learn to isolate and recognize when the devil is talking to us. And it can be on simple things like this. Well, you're not very spiritual. Who are you to give a word in the church? Who are you to even say anything? You're so dysfunctional and in, in such a problem. And you see, part of breaking the pauper's mindset is I start with realizing that I have been rightly restored first to my Heavenly Father. I'm a child of God. The blood of Jesus secures that, and I belong to Him, and I have His DNA. But the problem is, my mind needs to catch up with what Jesus has done on the cross. My mind, everyone say, catch up. We need to catch up with what Jesus... Do you know He's crowned you, seated you with Him in heavenly places, given you authority over all sin, over all the powers of darkness. He's given you the Holy Spirit to raise the dead, heal sickness, cleanse the leper. He's given you all of this. But see, my mind argues with that. And see, that's what keeps me stuck in that place. Now, what's happening right now is the Holy Spirit is bringing transformation. Amen? And how's transformation come? Transformation comes as we continually feed our minds and we feed on the goodness of God. Amen? It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. It's God's goodness that takes us from being poor, brings us into that place of being kings and priests before the Lord. Here's... here's Here's the goal. God has called us this year to be not just fathers. We're going to be awesome fathers. Awesome mothers. We're going to have awesome marriages. We have awesome children. We have an awesome church with awesome potential. Can you say amen? You see, you, you are people that God has crowned with loving kindness. And He no longer wants your mouth to agree with darkness. Your dysfunction, your sense of dysfunction and your sense of brokenness is because of where we were born, what we've come through, how we've come up in our families, names and labels that people have put on us, things we've put on ourselves through our mistakes and our failures. 
And what Jesus is doing today through resurrection life is he's renewing you to understand that he has not only given you the ministry of reconciliation, but he's raised you and he crowns you. He comes to actually exalt and promote you for his son's sake. By the way, God doesn't promote and exalt and glorify his son through you for you. It's for his son. This is all about giving Jesus total honor and the Father total honor and worthy of all praise. Amen? Uh, it's, not about, it's not about how strong I am because of what Jesus has done. It's about I am strong because of what he has done, but so he can receive all the glory and he will get all the praise through all of this so we will become a praise to his glory. Amen? bow our heads this morning as we're talking about the renewing of our mind moving into a place of kings ruling and reigning I just want to say to you this morning that I, I feel as the Holy Spirit showed me even this morning in prayer is that the Lord has showed me how there is a vast resource there's a vast resource that we can draw on and as we ask the Bible says we have a father who will give willingly if you seek if you'll knock it will be opened unto you some of us today have been so intimidated we're intimidated we look at our surroundings and we say how how can i rule like kings when i have things in my life that i feel like i'm in bondage to i want you to know that right where you're at jesus still smiles he still looks at you with pride. You're his son, you're his daughter. He looks at you and he loves you deeply. So many of us have been let down by those that we looked up to in the past because maybe they didn't bring words of life, bring words of encouragement, words of empowerment. And so our minds have been trapped. Our hearts have been stuck in a place where we live like a pauper. We live so far below where God intended for us to live. God spoke to Baron Abraham and said, Abraham, now on your name is no longer Abram, but Abraham, I'm empowering you with a new confession. I want you to start confessing what's coming. I want you to start prophesying over yourself. I want you to start speaking life. We're not going to leave this until we start seeing these things happen. The Lord spoke to me this year. He says, we're going to see some real miracles, powerful things happening in our lives this year. I see God doing some amazing things financially with people, even health-wise. God doing something miraculous, even in our marriages, renewing that first love in our marriage, just touching, moving, igniting our young people. We're living in good days. These are good days. These are not bad days. These are good days. These are great days. Great days to be alive. I know a lot of people look at the economy. They look at politics. But it's about time we keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to turn the TV off and start keeping our eyes on what he is saying, not what the news is saying. Maybe this morning you may, you may say, you know, Pastor, I've been thinking like a pauper a long time. And I know I need to make a shift. I know my confession and my vision needs to be renewed. And I'd like you to just pray with me and believe God that my shift, my focus this, this year 
will be on the high calling of God, the high calling of God, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing towards the mark. That's you this morning. You want to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anyone this morning, just feel you need prayer. Okay, I see your hand. Anyone else? All right, I see your hand. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet this morning? Let's just stand to our feet. You know, we've had a long service here today. Just wait on the Lord for just 30 seconds here. Just want us to wait upon the Lord. I feel the Lord is just wanting to breathe upon us and speak to us. I believe there's some people here that have been bound by so much fear. God wants to remove fear out of your life. Wants to plant you on a solid rock. You're no longer what you think you are. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new, original creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. God wants to begin to open your eyes to a new individual. You're empowered by His love, empowered by His presence this morning. Father, we just pray right now for those that raise their hands. Lord, we ask You. But Lord, even for all of us, even, even myself, I pray right now, Lord, that You would just continue to blow upon us. Speak to us, Lord, even this year. We know that you're leading us, directing our steps into places of prosperity, places of ruling and reigning in our personal lives, in our secular lives, Lord. Father, I pray right now that our visions would be quickened. That, Lord, we would no longer think small-minded, but we would think large. We would believe you for great things. Lord, we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him a hug. Be blessed in Jesus' name. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come down.